listening to Lighten Up with the Declutterista, and I'm your host, Becky Bass, the Declutterista. I'm all about having fun with mom life, decluttering, and interviewing inspiring guests. The past few days, I've been in kind of sick kid land. My daughter had strep, which I was kind of excited because it's such an easy fix. That sounds horrible. And then my son broke out in hives, so I called the doctor and they thought, oh, he probably has strep and it then he listened to his lungs and it was like walking pneumonia. So I've been trying to lay low, which is kind of hard for me to just chill out. And a little while ago, I was kind of looking around my basement. I have a lot of pictures there. And there was a Norman Rockwell picture and it said original drawing. And I remember like years ago when my husband and I were combining our stuff to move in, he was like, oh, yeah, that might be an original. And I was like... Oh, okay. And didn't really think about it. But then for some reason, like a couple weeks ago, I was like, oh, maybe I have a Norman Rockwell original. So it kind of occupied my thoughts when I was home with the kids. And instead of kind of thinking it through and researching, I posted on um, Pepper Lane Facebook page like, hey, guys, I might have a Rockwell original. Do you know anyone who can do an appraisal, blah, 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 and getting all, getting all this conversation, like getting excited, my brain kind of being like, oh my gosh, what would this mean? How much could it be? What would I do with all this money? But kind of being like, okay, that it probably wasn't kind of okay. Um, but it really kind of got me excited during a time where I was kind of at home in sick kid land. And my f- good friend who's a photographer and art major in college was like, that's a fake. And I was kind of, I was a little bit more crushed than I thought. And I physically hunted her down. I was in, I brought the kids in the car and we we're going to run errands or something. And I physically hunted her down on her run to make her look at the picture to really verify that it was uh, that it was false. And someone on the Pepper Lane Facebook page said, oh, you should just go right to like the curator of the Norman Rockwell Museum in Stockbridge, Mass. And of course, I called her. I sent an email like I'm just kind of a spaz, but it was fun. It was entertaining. It was a little embarrassing that I actually thought it could have been. But like it was a pencil drawing in the way Norman Rockwell was written. It looked like pencil. It didn't look like a copy of pencil. But anyway, that was a little bit of excitement. And something else I want to mention, I want to have it recorded because I don't think it's going to happen often. And it was kind of out of the blue. While I was home with the sick kiddos, maybe we're being wild and being silly and they love that. We call it like, what do we just wild game or something where I just where they're like on the bed running around with like push each other and act crazy and like pass them around. Um, and mom, my daughter just said out of the blue, she's like, mom, you're doing a good job. And I was like, wait, what a minute? Wait, what? What? Why'd you say that? Like, what made you say that instead of just like going with it? Like, yeah, I owned it because I know that doesn't happen much for anyone to say that. So and then, of course, I brought up the next day. I'm like, remember you said that, Maya? Was I dreaming or did you really say that? She's like, no, I said it. So I just got to let it go and take it. And I've told a couple people, of course, and now it's on the air. And they're like, whoa, hold on to that. That doesn't happen often. So I thought that was really awesome. And I feel like my daughter gets me. <laughs> she just, yeah, she's just very sweet and thoughtful and understanding. And I talked to her like a grown up. And I think that's, I'm hoping that that's working. And another very strange thing. Sometimes I'm just like doing things and I'm like, I'm I'm pretty odd. Like I love the song, um, the Bradley Cooper, Shallow and the Lady Gaga. Amazing movie, amazing song. And I've been singing it around the house and my daughter was like, wow, that's that's really different that you've, you've been singing that for like weeks. <laughs> and 
I took a I've been taking guitar lessons by that. I mean, I've shown up to a few lessons. I'm kind of bummed at myself for not sticking with it, but um, I don't want to be that person who hasn't showed up to class, hasn't practiced, and then you're holding back the class and like awkwardly while they're progressing. So that's my excuse, but don't quit. Um, But I really want to learn how to play the guitar and I feel like I'm getting there. So anyways, I asked my son because it's a great duet. It's hard to find. I love karaoke. I'm not talented, but I think karaoke is so much fun. So it's hard to find a good duet, and that's such a great duet. I sang it with my friend who also told me that my Norrin Rockwell wasn't good, and that was fun at karaoke. So I said to him, like, do you think you can learn? I'm saying to an almost six-year-old, can you learn the male part so we can do this duet together? Like, I'm really serious. Like, this would be a dream of mine. He kind of looked at me and humored me, but today when he was taking a bath, he's like, can we do another song? So it's like, well, I got to figure out who can do this duet. Maybe my husband will humor me, but we're more like a hip hop duet couple, like shoop sort of thing. So those are my random tidbits. My decluttering tip is take a look at your Tupperware situation. Um, I can't tell you the joy that I found when I decluttered a lot of my Tupperware. It's true. There, My Tupperware was everywhere. It was like always either like drying out after being in the dishwasher or I would hand wash. It was just taking over my house a little bit. My husband kind of has a Tupperware fetish where he's always like every time he's starting to be good, quote good, um, on a food plan, he has like a fresh start and brings home new Tupperware. Um, he used to get like red stuff and now he realizes like that's going to drive me crazy because I love teal. It make, at least if you're going to buy Tupperware, he's getting it. He buys the teal. Anyway, so I just decluttered. I was thinking about just like moving the um, extra containers that I didn't like and like in the garage if I feel like, oh, I should have had those. But you know what? I just donated, donated them to Savers and it just makes me so happy. So just figure out if you if you're overwhelmed by your stuff, if you want to declutter, what area is like really getting to you. I was talking to this client, um, potential client on the phone and she's like, well, how do you start? What do you do? And I'm like, well, it's all different. Like, and she was saying, yeah, my craft room is really my catch all. And I just really want to use that room and not just be like a dumping ground. I was like, there you go. Let's do the, let's do the craft room. So figure out like what, what your pain points are and, um, you know, make it happen. So that's my decluttering tip. I'm so excited to have with me today Chef Avi Simko from Simcha and Chubby Chickpea and also his special guest Kevin today. What's your title? Where do you come from? Um, I'm a, I like work more so at the Chickpea more than Simcha. I do like a little bit of everything. Kevin's maybe. like the face these days yeah. of the Chickpea food truck. So Kev's like the guy, the smiling face you see when you come up to grab a sandwich. That's yeah. awesome. He's, he's laughing at my person. jokes. I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, he's but, good at humoring people. Yeah, yeah. He's like, uh-huh, <laughs> you're so, that's great. You're so interesting. So um, excited to have Avi on the show. When I wanted to do the show, Lighten Up with the Declutterista, I was thinking of how do I encompass all the types of people I want on? I was just like, Avi just seems like... A character, interesting, is a fellow Sharonite. That's probably true. I'll... He's very open. He's passionate. So, and I can't, my mind is like blown. If we could do one of those emojis with like the brain exploding, 
He's a rapper. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what? Like, I just, I mean, can you off the cuff just start with a couple lines or is that is that too soon? Oh, I mean, when you say off the cuff, I want to be honest. Like, I feel like people think like people go on radio and freestyle. Uh, Eminem once said it best. He was like, oh freestyling is like shooting free throws with your eyes closed. You could probably make it. Yeah. But you might miss and you could definitely make it if you just open your eyes. So, I mean, when I go on things and rap, I don't, uh, like, I'm not going like, off the top but i've got stuff just ready to body just, all the time what do, what do you got what do you got ready all right oh my god see my philosophy spit deep economically commercialize my poetry till avi is a commodity i used to think a is a prodigy till saying nothing became a novelty these mcs flowing not knowing they all got frontal lobotomies the industry takes it out of me this energy that runs through my veins by flooding the game with dudes willing to say nothing for change for dollars they gave him trash and still it boggles my mind no skill involved half the time cast don't even bother to rhyme producers take beats that went to the top of the charts before there's no heart in this it's not even an art anymore see slave songs became spirituals and spirituals turn into blues the blues turn into jazz rock and roll elvis's moves had parents confused pop rock appeared the beatles hip-hop artists started to move but the sh can move nowadays is straight up garbage is used and the people that lose are the future generations that'll never know cats used to sweat over tracks combine facts with a clever flow before rapping became babbling over bass lines and colorful hooks mcs used to paint pictures now they scribble in coloring books oh my god so okay, i don't even know what that's just... so you wonder right right the moment right before i rapped you're like this guy might be garbage <laughs> No, no, no. I don't, I don't really understand if that if that you already had. It sounds like you already had that in you oh, from 100%. what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. 100%. But that's a lot to just have it. I couldn't even say chef and <laughs> and simcha. Simcha. He said I said simcha well the first time. Um. Wow. Okay. So that. So you had that going for you. So tell me about baby Avi. Like, when did you start like realizing you want to be a chef? And yeah, how so, did that all begin? We can get into the rapping later because I'm just floored. I don't. Sure. I can't so get it's over funny. It. I think like as a parent, maybe you'll probably identify with this. It's like I've got two young kids, and now I'm watching like my son, and I see, like I see kind of like I'm revisiting how I how I became me. Mm. And um, when I was little, like I was nothing personality wise, nothing like I am now. And um, but I was a lot like what my son is now. It's like I was quiet and polite and kind. I mean, I think I'm still kind. I'm just not <laughs> quiet and not always polite. Um, but I, I'd say like I started becoming me in like sixth grade. Um, I was just kind of a bad kid. And um, and it's funny. This is a real story. I I like actively attempted to go to the principal's office the most times of anybody at Heights Elementary in Sharon I when I was in sixth grade. Heights, yeah, so okay. I went to cottage till fifth. Oh, I was cottage. Okay. okay, till fifth. And then I was the grade where they like redistricted to move yeah, everyone. Same. Yeah, so um, so I ended up at Heights mm. and for one year and, and I was like terrified of like, my best friend wasn't gonna be with me. Like I, I'm gonna get picked on. So I decided like, I'm just gonna be this class clown. And I've always, as an adult, looked back at it. It was my teacher's first year as a teacher. And I was like, I owe this person an apology. This is a real story. Last week, my son, uh, I was at Heights for a um, parent-teacher conference. And I told this story to his teacher because she was like laughing at the idea. I said, does he ever misbehave? And she laughed. She's like, misbehave? I mean, not at all. And I said, I was like that too. And then, so two days later, I was at D Dave Becker's restaurant, Bellani in Waltham. It was like a private party. He'd invited me. And I'm sitting there with my in-laws who are in town and my wife. And I look up and I haven't seen this person since I left sixth grade. It was my sixth grade teacher. Oh my God. And I stopped her. I called her by her maiden name and she turned around and she couldn't recognize. Me. And I told her who I was and she literally kind of stepped back. It was funny. <gasps> but then she she was really kind. She accepted my apology. She told me that it really wasn't that bad of a year. She actually laughed. She said, you know, as a new teacher, like the things you worry about, like 
the time that's being taken away from other kids. She's like, didn't really occur to me. Um, but she was cool. And I told her, I said, come to the restaurant. I owe you dinner. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. You she definitely lives in the area. I said, I owe you dinner. Come by. You know, but it was a cool, it was a funny experience. So I think that's kind of how I became me to some degree. My dad is a chef. So okay. I've been cooking since I was four. I never really knew I wanted to do it professionally, but I think it was sort of kind of in the cards forever. How did you go from rapper? Because you said you actually, uh, in college, you were kind of trying to pursue your act, uh, rapping career. Yeah. So how did you decide? Mm, maybe. maybe. Well, so, you know, what's funny is I tell people this all the time. I think being a chef and being a rapper are very, very similar. Um, first of all, I think they encompass some of the same skill sets, believe it or not. Uh, and then also what drives somebody, nobody goes into the restaurant business as a chef because they think it's the easiest way to make money. Mm. I mean, it's grueling. It's tough. It, I think it's ego driven. I mean, I don't hide from the fact that I have an ego. So it's the same thing. It's like the thrill of the thrill. I, I got a like a square review last night that said coming into Simcha on Sunday was like taking a trip to heaven. Um, somebody the other night walked up to me and they told me I'm an artist. Mm. It's it's the same rush as like when you kill a set and you get off and you're sti- – some kid walked up to me one time in Chicago and he's like, can I buy you a shot? And I said, yeah, cool. And he was like, this is the third time I've seen you and I think you're the best. And I was like – I mean things like that. It's just an ego-driven thing and I, and I know it that. It feeds you. <laughs> it just feeds me. It's like I need that. Yeah. Um, so, it's good to embrace that and know that yeah, about yourself. Well, so listen, I, I train a lot of people and I always tell them like – Things are only real flaws in you. Like ego is a flaw if you allow it to make you a jerk. If you don't admit that you have an ego, I've got guys that work for me who have egos, um, and it makes them great. And then I'll say things like, "Well, look, you have an ego," and they're like, "No, I don't. No, you have an ego." Like, you know how I know you have an ego? Because when you fail, it bothers the heck out of you. Mm-hmm. And when someone tells you you killed it, you feel like a million bucks. That's ego. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you think you're better than everybody. Like I don't think, I don't think when somebody walks up and tells me I'm an artist because they love the meal I made, that what they're saying is you're more important than other people. Like I don't think mm. that. Um, but anyway, honestly, I gave up my music career for my now wife, then girlfriend. Her parents were never gonna be okay with us living together and her financially supporting us. And the sad part about the music business is you're very poor until the moment you're very rich. So if you don't end up very rich you really kind of end up very poor. The most successful artists I came up with who are just doing big things these days have real jobs also. Mm. Like they'll go out on the road for like three months, come back and work a day job. Me, I get to I get to live my my dream every day. I mean, I really do what I love doing every single day. And it's, it's hard. It's not always fun, but, but I get to do it every day. I don't have to do it and then go back to filing papers at Kinko's mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, so it sounds like it makes a lot of sense. So what do you think the recipe for an entrepreneur is? Because you're definitely an entrepreneur. Like if we were to bring it back to the kitchen. Sure. Guts. Um, <laughs> Sense of humor. Uh, guts for sure, right? I mean, it's funny. I always want to answer the question with a question like, what do you think it is? For me, I always tell people, I'm like, if I'm ever successful someday, it won't be because I'm smarter than everybody else or because I I work harder than anybody else. And, and the latter is probably true. I probably do work harder than everybody else. But it's not because of that. It's because I've got a tougher stomach lining than everybody else. So it's like, how many times have you thought about quitting, right? I mean, mm-hmm. when when someone who's about to start their business comes up to you and said, like, Becky, do you have any advice for me? I mean, I would think that you look back at all these times where, like, the easiest thing to do would have been to be like, 
there's better way. Like I can, I don't have to do this, mm -hmm. but you worked, you pushed forward because you cared. It mattered to you. So the best advice I can give any entrepreneur is do align what it is that your dream is with something you love. And I know that sounds intuitive to people like yourself, but I know so many people that like their goal is to become famous or their goal is to become rich. They just pick something they think makes money. Mm -hmm. And so you find that like on the day that on those days where you're at pretty close to rock bottom, you, you're not going to push forward if you don't love it. Like if you didn't believe that helping people take back their life and reorganizing themselves was life changing and, and it's so important, mm -hmm. how many times would you have just turned around and been like, man, there's a, let's start something different. Like yeah, let's right, just go right. sell pottery. Uh, <laughs> right. I mean, right. Like if you had just opened like a, a cardboard box store. Those exist, Kevin. They do. Dude. Yeah, there's a real thing. <laughs> People buy cardboard boxes, man. We have so many I see a lot of them in my business. Actually, yeah, a lot of boxes. Sense. Yeah. Like moving right, stuff. of course. You see True. it. Yeah. yeah. We should just sell our cardboard boxes. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, if you open a cardboard box store, do you really believe that on those dark days where like you looked up and you were like, man, I'm not paying myself. Payroll keeps coming. The insurance is, is higher than it was. Taxes. Wouldn't, wouldn't you walk away? Yeah, there ha I think there has to be fun. Um, it's this is the first time I've done something that if I when I say what I do, people are like, "Oh, tell me more!" Like there's a need for it. I don't have to like totally sell it or sure. you know things like that. So fun helps, but I feel like you're in a different position because I assume, like my husband's working, I'm a stay at home mom, so I don't have that hustle pressure. Sure. Um, so I think it's a, a different animal. But I wanted to know more. Well, to be honest though, so because I, I I think it's funny. It's like. Marriage is is supposed to be a partnership, right? Mm. It's funny, actually. I, so I, I I just I didn't get we haven't signed the contract yet, but I got my cookbook, uh, <gasps> the Simcha cookbook deal greenlit the other day. And the coolest part about it is my wife has started pursuing photography, and they asked about the photos on my website, and they want to include them. So my Ooh. wife might end up shooting a nationally released cookbook through That's this. So exciting! Yeah, and I like seeing her get shine because the truth is that like in our relationship, I'm like the one that gets press and the one that seems important, but. No, my wife carries us, to be honest. The, like, I couldn't, the chubby chickpea doesn't exist if Adrian doesn't have the health insurance, bring home the solid income, mm -hmm. say, yeah. When, when, like, the, on those darkest days, if my wife was like, Shh, listen, I mean, not to sound completely arrogant, but like, I could do other things for a living. And my wife knows that. I was in real estate before this, I was successful. If my wife turned to me and was like, listen, you, you, you chased it. It is what it is. We need, we need something different. I would do it. So like, no, I think I'm in the same position as you are where like we've got a spouse who's willing to sort of be the backbone financially mm -hmm. so that we can chase our dreams. And look, if you go on and make millions, he won't – he's an investor. Yeah, right, right? He right. invested early. That's, that's a good way um, of looking at But if you fall on your face, which we all do, he's going to catch you. Right, exactly. So like I couldn't do this if I was single. Yeah. Um, you know, that's just a reality. How did you find such a good woman? Because I get the sense, does she ever get like cranky about all this or is she just constant support? No, she I mean, that's she's real. She, she's a yeah, real she's human. She's a real person. She gets cranky. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> she's like, what can I say <laughs> well, no. here that won't get me in trouble? Well, no, I, no, I don't worry about that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, hey, honestly, all the time. No, I just want to give credit where credit's due. She gets cranky about stuff, but she never, she honestly, she she never stops supporting even when she's cranky. And okay. maybe I deserve some of that credit because I think I work hard enough to earn and deserve that support. But to be honest with you, I, to answer the first question, I have no idea how. I, like, I'm funny. I'm cool. 
yeah, I like yeah, to think I'm helps. handsome. I don't that know. Helps. Um, I don't know. <laughs> the charm you, gets you far. If you knew life. the real story, like, I mean, I never did. I w- I've always been a good partner, a good boyfriend, good fiance, husband, but I'm a cr- crazy person. I can tell it from Facebook. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, a I can crazy tell. person. Yeah. Like, Why do you think I want you on the show? I mean, you don't understand. Like, <laughs> no, when I say crazy, Relatable. I, I mean, like, when I was 22 years old, my active lifestyle was blacking out six nights a week. And my wife is not like that. She's not a partier. Oh, you're She's a partier. Not, you I were. have no idea how how I how this incredible person stayed with me. I have no idea. Okay. Um, I don't know. I guess I like to think it's because when push comes to shove, I'll always be there. When I say I'm going to do something, I do it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. She's awesome. Oh, <laughs> you know? I got to meet this lady. You never met Adrian? No. Oh, she's awesome. You have to meet Adrian. Okay. She's awesome. Got to meet Adrian. Sharon Knights. Yeah, she's um, cool. Okay, so I want to know a little bit more about. Like what your daily life looks like. I'm sure it changes every day and how you manage. Because your kids are even younger than mine. What's uh, how the old ages? Are your kids? Five and seven. So I have a – my kid is going to – one kid is six turning seven this spring. Uh-huh. And the other is four turning five in January. Okay. So we're kind of – you have a Very kindergartner? Uh, he's a first grader. Oh. So we'll have – my daughter's in first grade, although she should be in second. So we'll have At kids East? eventually together. Yeah. 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 With, so, uh, with Leo? Yeah. Never in the same class with Leo. No. But yep. Yep. Because I know – my good friend growing up, you're in the her little brother's group of friends. Thaler. Oh, Mike Thaler? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Julie. So Julie. I grew yeah, up yeah. with Julie. So those are kind of my chance. And yes. Have you had Mike on the show? He would be hysterical. First of all, he's hysterical. He is. Also, I love he, Mike. Also, he's one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. He does legal work for me now. But um, I mean, he's just a genius. Uh, he he likes cracked to get me up at, at BNI. Yeah. He likes, <laughs> he likes to get after it a little bit too, by the way. And um, – the only thing is, like, you'll have to have like a four-hour show. If you're He'll just have go on and on. on. He'd be a good co-host, I think. Or should I have? Should I interview him? I love him. I love Mike, and he's a genius. Yeah. But like co-host, when are you going to talk? <laughs> I'd be like Mike, Mike. It would yeah. just be fun. By the way, know. that's coming from me. Who like same? You don't want me as your co-host either. Like, <laughs> I don't know if you've even spoken yet. Today. Oh, it's okay. It's um, okay. So I, I don't want Mike to be offended by that. Mike's a genius, and he's got. So he went. It's a smart he, family, dude. He, yeah, very. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and Ronnie runs the world. Yeah, but, yeah. But Mike, um, he started his own business, and he's he went out on his own as a lawyer, and he's a genius, and he like honestly. Don't get yourself in legal trouble. But if you do, he's the guy. I would call it like he the legal work he's done for me is on the business side. But man, if he's I was ever in criminal. a situation, he, that's <laughs> his main focus. Hopefully. That's his main focus is criminal. But yeah, yeah. So like he helped me pull the liquor license in Sharon, and um, oh god, he's just so smart and so good at what he does and committed that like I would call him for anything to legal to oh. be honest. But but yeah, if you ever got yourself in trouble, he's the call. He's like, the he's the he's the guy. Awesome. So what's going on with Simpla? I love the food. Brus- team Brussels sprouts. Thank you. It's always changing. Yeah, yeah. And it seems like you're kind of evolving with like the needs. Like there's like a taco. Am I right? Is there still a taco night? We do taco night every Tuesday. Always will be. That's gonna Was be there, a thing but that's forever. Not, that hasn't happened from the beginning, right? So it hasn't, but and I'm not saying we we are being nimble. We are pivoting a little here and there. But Taco Tuesday was always in the cards. Oh, okay. It's um, not like we're we're going with. The we needs. were just always trying to figure out. We didn't want to take on the biggest compliment I've gotten since Simcoe opened was like somebody walked in to, and they came over to me and they told me like you could tell this place was opened by a professional. That's what Ooh. they said. And I was like, thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been doing this for a long time. So I mean, it wasn't opened by a professional. It was opened by professionals. I mean, right. my GM is a rock star. Uh, my sous chef, who actually recently left, but um, but was replaced by the guy that who's kind of like my sous chef, the guy that runs the other company as well, uh, Kyle Crucius. Um, but my GM, Chris Regal, I mean, those are they're all professionals. So like 
I don't, I couldn't shoulder all that by myself, but I think we were smart enough to know we just opened our back room. We have to go in tears. Like if you take it all on at first, mm. how many fingers are there in the team to, to plug all the holes in the dam? You can't do it all. Okay. Um, you know, and this year, this year was the craziest year because we kind of rebuilt the chickpea team too. So like, like Kevin started this year and, um, you know, it's, it's funny. It's like Simca gets all this credit and it's like, how, but the chickpeas where I make my living. Like what okay, if, it like is, how, okay. you need all these fingers to plug all these holes in this dam. Um, so the point is Taco Tuesday was always in the cards. We just Got waited it. to roll it out. Okay. And Ryan Keel, do you know Ryan? Mm-mm. Do you know Randy O'Hara? Randy Keel, Randy Keel. I remember from like Sharon Country Day. Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Randy, Randy's husband Ryan. Oh my God, we're grown um, <laughs> I know. So Randy's husband Ryan. They live in town now, and uh, Ryan's the man. And he used to cook actually for Mike Levitan, who's a great Boston chef. Ryan and I become good friends, and Ryan's like, he's always sort of like free consultant with ideas and stuff. And he found this dish out of Pueblo, Mexico, called Taco Arabe, Arabic tacos. Mm. That's it's these Lebanese immigrants had come to Pueblo, Mexico, and they're opening restaurants and they can't compete because everyone's eating tacos. So they're like, wait a second, we make something kind of similar. Like, mm-hmm. let's rip a pita in half. Let's make an open face pita. We'll call it a taco. And so he found that and educated me on it. And I was like, this fits perfect into what we do. And yeah, it's a cool way for us. It really fits into like our whole farm to table local stuff mm-hmm. too, because Tuesday starts our week. Mondays are off. So on Sunday, it's like we take stock on like what didn't move for the weekend and how it can be reorganized mm-hmm. into um, – <laughs> He looked at me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, because listen, <laughs> you would be great at – like you should consult for restaurants because uh-huh. like honestly, nobody needs a better system of organization and understanding. Imagine what she would do at Jackson Street. She True. she reorganizes yeah. for a living. Like – it's just the, that that's what changes everything. In the systems, yeah. Yeah, one of my close friends is a uh, um is an operations uh and logistics guy mm-hmm. for a living. Big uh, he's like the senior VP at some big company. And last year he came or 2 years ago, he came in and sort of just like spent some time at the chickpea and really helped me revisit a lot of things that as a chef I'm looking at from one angle mm-hmm. and like he's looking at it from another angle. Like I don't necessarily look at like colors as a way to make things easier on my staff or, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's all organization. It's yeah. all about that kind of stuff. That's awesome. So tell me more. So the chickpea is your bread and butter. So is it a truck? Is it, do you have a bricks and mortar? Is it, cause you said Jackson street. That's where I remember visiting you, but I yeah. thought it's mobile. Like what's going on with the chickpea <laughs> it's a great and question. how can we find it? It's a great question. Besides go online. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, so you got to go online. Yeah. Uh, that's where you'll find out where we are. Um, we started as a brick and mortar, quick serve in Canton Center, yeah. 2010. Um, opened a food truck about a year and a half later. Oh, okay. That long. We were the 14th truck in Boston. Um, kind of killed it. Um, built a brand. And then sort of as that band, as that brand built, the truck was doing exponentially more than the brick and mortar. Needed more space. And sort of with the truck came Boston Catering. So I needed a new kitchen. So we moved from Washington Street, which was a highly visible location with a terrible landlord. And um, and we moved to Jackson Street with an awesome landlord. That's what I saw. Yeah. And parking. Yeah. And we tried to keep the Canton front-facing thing going. And it was it was really kind of the worst thing you can have in the restaurant business. It was like slammed at times and then dead at times. Mm. And so like I'm bleeding because I'm staffing it all the time to be slammed. And- we're falling on our face when we're slammed. 
and I'm working night and day to kind of hold it all together. And I didn't have, like, to put things in perspective, Kevin, who's sitting here and wasn't here at that time, you would be by far the most experienced and talented person on my team then. Like, I didn't have Kyle. I didn't have Regal. Like, I had, I, I had someone, you know, people who I'm, like, going, like, hey, you're awesome at this. Now can you be my head chef? Like, it was, it was a disaster. Yeah. And I was smart enough, I think, now to have a conversation with my ego. And be like, <laughs> how do we hit reset here and focus on the stuff that works and kind of revisit this? So so I took a step. Honestly, it was a step forward, but it looked like a step back. And that took me a second to get used to uh, by closing Canton from a front-facing perspective, keeping just the trucks and catering. I had way more time on my hand. I was able to then spend that time developing and recruiting great staff, bringing people in and having a better quality of life. And then – Every time, like we've we've we plateau for a little for a year or two, and then we grow. Mm -hmm. Then we plateau for a year or two, then we grow. So that like there's this makeup of like, well, look, we're gonna run into war sometimes, and it's all hands on deck. And then we're gonna kind of just run this thing in mm -hmm. a way that works and is sustainable for a while. And then we'll revisit it. So like this year was one of those war years. Mm -hmm. We grew. We opened a, a restaurant, and then next year will be one of those like, all right, everybody just kind of let's just do what we do and do it well. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. So I actually can see you having your own show. Like, what's what's your big <laughs> pie-in-the-sky dream? So cookbook's coming out. Yeah, I mean, again, I don't hide from my ego. My pie-in-the-sky dream is sort of to be... The chef. The chef, to be a talking head. Um, I never, I never, I never don't want to own restaurants. I never don't want to mentor other cooks and chefs. I've got big dreams. I'd love to have a show. Um, I'd love to... And I've got some stuff actually kind of in the works. Oh, um, I if, it. if I do a show, you should uh, you should come on. Okay. Yeah. Done. You're more than welcome. <laughs> There'll probably be a little bit more drinking than there is here. Ooh. Like that's, my thought is like yeah. So when when we're gonna do some stuff that's kind of focused around a little focused around life conversations, oh, sort of it. sort of not so dissimilar. Because like when you're talking about like how do you fit everybody onto your show, I think the answer is like we all have a common thread, right? Like so for me, what I'm really focused on, and I, and I don't think it's so different. Um, like when you come on my show, I want to talk about like what does success mean? What what's something? Because ultimately, I'm a big believer in uh, Richard Branson and uh, the guy who owns the Virgin Companies, mm -hmm. and like he he makes a great point that he's like it's not good enough for some people to just be good at what they do. They need to make it seem like no one else could do it. Mm. But the reality is, we all do the same thing for a living. We just repackage it, right? Mm. Like me and you run very at its core similar companies. One of us cooks and sells falafel and booze and all that. <laughs> and the other one goes into people's homes and helps them reorganize their life. But ultimately, we're all billing clients. We're all managing people. We're all managing clients. We're all a, a you know figuring out how to market ourselves. At the core, we could all help each other. Mm -hmm. And I'm always curious when I see people that are successful to find out, like, what is it that they – what is it that made them successful? Not because I think that there's, like, a magic – because you know, ultimately, the answer is always going to be the same. You worked really hard. Like, mm -hmm. I get that. But somebody might have, like, some angle they looked at or, you know, for me, one of the most inspirational things that anyone ever said to me in a conversation like that was this guy that owns a company in the city called The Dining Car, Dave Harnick. Mm -hmm. um, he said to me one day when I was just, like, the summer that we had grown the most and we were just the most depleted and I was down, I said, sometimes I just feel like the train is going to run me over. And I just wish it would stop for a minute. And he said, Av, right before the train hits you, look up real quick. 
tell me who's sitting in the driver's seat. And I'm like, wow, like he's right. I'm driving the train. Mm-hmm. And then I'm complaining that it's going to run me over. I have the power to stop it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's not easy in business. Like you have to figure some things out before you just slam on the brakes, right? But you can do that. Like you can. And I think like for me, a, a big change for my brand was when I finally figured out how to slow it down, fix things, stop feeling run over, and then move at a speed that made some sense. Wow. That's sweet. So, I mean, do you wake up, because you're talking a little bit about mindset here, do do you wake up in the morning feeling like ready to go or do you kind of have to like prep yourself? Like what's some routines that you get yourself in the zone to be like full on Av? I didn't know you had a nickname from Avi, but Av. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, It's funny. (laughs) Or your rap name. Did you have a rap name? Everybody called me AVI and it became, it sounds so simple, but it really, it's, it's an organic nickname from the fact that everyone butchers Avi. Like, you would be shocked at what people call me. Harvey, Tommy, Bobby, <laughs> Robbie, Avi, Ari. Oh, my so, God. Um, That's such an easy So, one. it's funny. is like I spent my whole life being like, Avi, Tommy, Avi, Harvey, <laughs> A-V-I. That's great. And so, people started calling me A-V-I. And, um, it, but Av is like, I say, I, I call myself Av. And um, I affectionately, I affectionately <laughs> refer to myself. Av wants this as for dinner. Av. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't speak That's in a third person. Ego, yeah. But man, don't let me become successful. I will. <laughs> oh, um, no. Hey, Av would feel. Hold on. <laughs> Interesting point. Av and I feel. Av and you? What the heck? Um, but no, Av is, Av is something that like people like really close to me call me. Yeah. My, my, Avi is, so I don't know how familiar you are with Hebrew names, but Avi is like, super super common because it means of the father so like half of hebrew names start with avi mm. and so like av shalom avi don avi non avraham they all start with avi and my name is like my mom my name is like hebrew ebonics my mom is american and she created a name that has two prefixes no suffix so it's not a real name my full first name is aviron and uh, it's because I have a twin sister. His name is Ronit, which means my joy. She wanted a name that meant father's joy. So she made up Aviron. And um, and so, like, my family would never call me Avi. Avi is like my kindergarten teacher started calling me Avi. All my friends call me Avi. People that know me call me Avi. But people I'm, like, really close to, for some reason, like, they would they just call me Aviron or, or Av just because, like, they would never call me Avi, I Can guess. Can you be Chef A-V-I? Because that's uh, combining the rap and the – that's kind of a the beautiful marriage of it. It's not a terrible idea. Yeah, yeah I'll start yeah. printing that on my coats. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny. It's like I think that like – I think guys that – or and women. Um, there's a lot of great female chefs these days. I never want to be Chef Avi. Like I think uh, I am a chef. That is my profession. Mm-hmm. In a kitchen, I want – if you work for me, I want to be addressed as chef as a, a title but not Chef Avi. Or Chef Shep, like I'm either Oops. Avi Shemto. No, no, no. <laughs> when you're introducing, it's yeah, totally yeah. cool. But what I'm saying is like if you're going to be like, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Like it's it's goofy. I feel like that's like a thing that, that I don't know. I'm not saying I'm the best by far, but I do feel like I belong. Mm-hmm. And so I don't feel like I have to pretend. And I feel like if I told you, call me Chef Avi. I don't know. Like you, I'm, I'm Avi. Yeah, I'm, yeah. A, I'm a Avi Shemto. I'm, yeah, yeah. I am also a chef. I think it's so goofy when I deal with people like other chefs sometimes like if we're doing like an event or something i'm dealing with like their assistant and their assistant's like emailing my assistant or something and writing like chef would like yeah, yeah, yeah dude yeah. that's not his name man <laughs> it's not his name it's a title like that's like your officer 
Jones. Okay, okay. But like your name is Bobby Jones. You're not Officer <laughs> Jones. And like when I write an email, I don't go, well, Kevin, Officer would like to have. That's not, <laughs> no, that's his job, man. It's, yeah. That's his job. We're all people. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I love it. So back to, we went off because I yeah, started sorry. talking about hip hop again. So like, do you ever get in a funk? Like, what do you do to get yourself out of like, oh, I'm going to fail. A train's going to run over me, all this stuff. Oh, like, what do you get yourself pumped up? I, Lots of coffee? I get into funks all the time. So one thing a lot of Facebook. people don't know about me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> one thing a lot of people don't know about me, um, even though I talk about it pretty publicly, I've been like diagnosed with severe anxiety since I was eight years old. I mean, severe like to where sometimes if it gets really out of control – I break out in highs for no reason. Oh, wow. It, yeah, it can be bad. And uh, and I've just learned coping mechanisms. I've chosen not to be medicated. That's my personal choice. Oh, wow. I don't advocate that to other people. Whatever <laughs> works for them. Um, I believe in therapy. Um, but at the same time, I also like – I do believe in coping mechanisms. I believe in supporting your su- supporting yourself by having a strong support system of people around you that you can trust. And so for me, like of course I get into funks. I get down. I There are times prof- for professional, personal – mental health reasons. I feel like I'm depressed for months at a time. How do I get myself into it? Um, Again, I lean on people. I try to separate like a big thing that works for me at 3 a.m. If I wake up and I'm to separate that what I believe is stress, what I call stress and what I call anxiety. And I remind myself like there's no such thing as stress at 3 a.m. Because stress is something that that you can fix and you shouldn't be dealing with that at 3 a.m. This is anxiety. Um, I try to breathe. But Really, my my biggest key for myself to like starting my day ready to to just get into Av mode um, <laughs> is uh, I've never said that before. I really haven't. <laughs> I really haven't. I'm gonna use it though. Um, Me too. Is I take long, like absurdly long showers. Oh, you and my husband. And that's oh where uh, not together. <laughs> I don't. That's I mean, another show. No disrespect. Yeah, no disrespect. I'm not a. Yeah, hey, very... listen. I want to be clear. <laughs> Anybody that does, that's cool. Do you? That's totally fine. There's no issues with that. I just. I need I to talk to your wife like about that. that because I just don't know him like that. There's. I know, we're busy. We yeah. need. We need a little help here, and you guys are taking your shit now. But well, you need. <laughs> so my thing is. No, I mean that's listen. She's that's, nice. That's a fair point. Good but, woman. But that's like the only time. So it's funny. It's like. My wife showed me this meme the other day that was like talking about how like mom don't get the credit dads do for the same task. I disagree. I think that so you've you've never met a rational guy, like a rational, honest human being who's male and has children with a woman who doesn't admit privately to each other that like being a mom is way harder than being a dad. I mean, that's just true. And, I, and I'm not saying it's never – I'm just saying there's no exceptions. Everyone heard that. <laughs> I hope so. I mean, listen. Oh, my God. Like, look. I, I have a lot of guy friends with kids and we're all like – I mean, we're in awe of what you guys do. It's, it's a different job. But it is – but it is still an equal partnership in a, in, a, in a different kind of way. Like, in fairness – and again, I know a lot of – I'm not saying this is true in every household. But yeah. Know, I, I like generalizations. I, but I've taken yeah. enough, enough, enough of, a, of a temperature here. Yeah. Like, there are things that we have to step into – Whatever I don't know what you believe in. I I believe in God, but um, I believe that whatever made us and created us intelligently just made you guys more patient than us and made you guys a little bit more false in my house. Okay, <laughs> my husband but, is a saint. Yeah. But I mean a different yeah. kind of patience. So so this is what I mean. It's oh, funny. Okay, got it. It's got funny. It. It's like you're more patient with like like we can't chase a kid around all day. And again, generalization. I'm not saying that every guy. In my experience, I like it. We can't chase kids all day. You guys can do it. Like my wife's a teacher and she works like a third the hours I do. And half of the days that I do, maybe less, but I couldn't do her job not for a minute. Like it, the, that's that kind of patience. But we have the kind of patience where, like, I never lose my temper with my kids. It just doesn't happen. But 
You guys do, but part of that's because you're also chasing them around all day. So it's like you carry all this load, but we're there in that moment. Like we're the one that could be like, hey, listen, why don't you go sit in the other room for a bit? Let me just let me put the foot down here. I'll take care of this. And um, so the only thing, like my point is, I never have alone time. I'm like, my staff owns me, mm. my clients own me. The only time that belongs to me. Mm is my 15 minute shower in the morning. And that's when I have like the meeting, the, the best meeting I have every yeah, day is yeah. with myself. That's great. And that's like- Is there a lot of talking out loud? Cause sometimes I hear some talking in the bathroom. <sighs> I'm not saying head. I never talk out loud, but I don't, I think most of it kind of happens in my head. Yeah. Um. Usually there's like aggressive trap music playing through the speaker that that I, I like got one of the little like shower speakers that I can put up with a suction cup. Okay. And usually like there's like dumb- like trap music playing. Oh, it's trap music. Trap music is like gutter south, like deep south music, like m- mainly about drug selling. Okay. But here's the funny thing. <laughs> oh if you God. listen to that, though. This is amazing. If you can stylistically get into that, there's a lot of truth in it. Like there's a lot of like these folk, like, you know, some of the, I'm not saying, listen, there's really dumb rap out there. But like I'm into this guy now, Polo G, who like on the surface, you'd go, he's actually from Chicago, but on its surface, you'd go, this is stupid. Like, I can't relate to this. Like, I don't carry guns or sell drugs. But if you get into, like, what's being talked about, there's a lot of applicable mm. stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he he has a he, he has a song where he's, like, talking about how he was in jail and his grandmother, who's now passed away, was the person that kind of saw him through it. And he's got, like, a great line where he's like, I know my grandma is still with me. When it gets cold, I feel her spirit. And, like, if you've lost someone, you kind of, like, can relate to that, right? Like, you, he just means, like, when it's a bad day, like, when it's – when you're down, you kind of feel, like – you feel that, like, person in your life that used to say to you – that just used to give it to you. You knew they had your back no matter what, but they gave it to you straight. Mm-hmm. For me, that was my grandmother. Mm-hmm. That's really kind of how I learned to deal with my anxiety was – and this wouldn't work for everybody. I am not in any way suggesting this is an appropriate way to handle anxiety. For me, it worked. I was 10 years old, 11 years old. In and out of therapy, missing school. And um, one day my grandmother just salted the earth, like lived her whole life in Western New York, like just simple but not stupid. Like I don't mean she was stupid when I say simple. I mean she like – she just saw life the way it was. Mm. So she's like, listen, it's one foot in front of the other. She just turned me one day and she goes, Av, if it doesn't kill you, then you just got to get through it because you're ruining your mother's life. <laughs> <laughs> and at 10 years old, like, and at 10 years old, I was like, whoa, like, that's awesome. Man, I guess I got to do something. Like, I guess I got to do something about this. So, like, the next time, and again, not advocating this is an appropriate way to deal with mental health, but at 10 <laughs> years old, 11 years old, I just decided the next time I broke out in hives, the doctors had told me for years, never reached the level of suffocating me. They never made it onto neck, neck and face. I just decided like the next time I was just going to take medicine and I wasn't going to worry about it. And if it killed me, it killed me. And if it didn't, then it couldn't. And it didn't. And so for me, that never stopped the anxiety. That never, but I had this little thing I could put in my back pocket that was like, the worst thing here isn't going to be death. Like I know I've been, I've seen this before. And so I always to this day have the most anxiety when I'm dealing with something for the first time. And then once I survive it, for me, it's a coping mechanism to be able to sort of tuck that in my back pocket and say, what's the worst thing that happens here? Mm-hmm. And I think, by the way, to bring that back to, to small business and business, it's like when you're trying to succeed and have never gotten there, it's nerve wracking. It's like you have this idea. We all convince ourselves the whole world's watching us. 
And like with social media and stuff, it's, it's kind of true. But we convince ourselves like we're going to fail and everyone's going to laugh at us. And for me, it was – I kept the chickpea brick and mortar part open longer than it made sense for me. But I did it because I didn't want people to think I was a failure. And when I finally bit the bullet and was like, I'm not doing this anymore. And I could still go to the grocery store and no one like laughed at me. <laughs> I, I, I told myself like, you know what? You can fail and it's not going to ruin you. And now that I've reached some, you know, modicum of success, I tell myself, I'm like, if it all fell apart tomorrow, there are things you can't take away from me. Like there are things that you can't – listen, we could close something tomorrow and you can't tell me that we didn't change food in some way, that we didn't invent things, that we didn't do cool things, that we didn't make somebody's night. So like, you know, you tuck that in your back pocket. It doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't keep you from having like massive anxiety five minutes before 217 plates are supposed to go out at a wedding. But it helps a little bit. Do you tell – we have to wrap it up soon because you have to do something for no your worries. job. But do you tell your staff, I feel my anxiety coming, watch out? Or is it just kind of spew out and, you know, I'm just curious. N- neither. So to be honest with you, one thing that I've just really learned as a people manager – and again, mental health is a thing that like – that's my mom's profession. So like I've, le- I've been lucky in that respect. And I'm careful when I talk about my mental health – to make it clear that I don't think this is applicable to other – everyone deals with their own battle. And I never I never want to be someone that's like, I can do it. Why can't you do it? Right, right, right. right. Um, and by the way, I, I don't even consider myself someone like, I can do it. No, like I manage it. You're figuring it out. I, I figure it out all times. I manage it. Um, but no, I, as a manager of people, I've learned over the years that like the biggest responsibility that I have in those moments is to keep that from my staff. Like they don't – my staff being nervous doesn't help them do a good job. Yeah, so like to manage. That's it's good. very hard. But what I've learned, so I say this to my team all the time, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I surround myself with people that care. I surround myself with people that 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 give a, that that yeah. can work hard. <laughs> but most important to me, I surround myself with people who are willing to lose together. If there's somebody in the room who, like, when we lose, is going to start pointing fingers, it's going to start being snotty, is going to complain about the position they got put in. I don't want to win with you. Honestly, I do a lot of winning, and 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 I I think I'm sort of on a small level. I'm my team's Michael Jordan. I'm the guy that like, look, ultimately pass me the ball, get out of the way, and I'm going to win for us. I don't want to do that for people who, like, if I miss that shot, are going to rub it in my face. And because of that, I'm generally willing to pass the ball. And let them take the shot because I'm not going to rub it in their face. I don't, I'm not punitive about mistakes. I'm not punitive about failure. I'm punitive about deviations from protocol, about doing things that are selfish. But no, so, so in those moments, I just try to remind myself that the worst thing that can happen here is us all fighting each other, not us failing. And like I said, I think I'm more equipped to do that these days because I've failed Mm -hmm. and it worked out all right. I mean, I tell Kyle, who runs the chickpea for me and now is going to oversee the kitchen at Simca, I tell him this all the time, but like our relationship took a huge step forward years ago when we had like a massive, disastrous failure. And I literally was like, this guy's going to quit. Like he's going to look at me and go, what the hell are you doing? And he just showed up like at the end of this like night where we were like running deliveries all over the place and screwing up left and right. He just like showed up. My phone was dead. His phone was dead. He just came back to Jackson Street and just sat down on the steps. I was like, hey. He's like, all right, well, what do we got to do for tomorrow? Oh, wow. And I was like, all right, like if I can lose with you, then I want to win with you. If I can't lose with you, it's not fun to win with you. I'm not going to have the pressure of feeling I need to win in order to keep you with me. 
It doesn't mm-hmm. work for me. Wow. This is an amazing interview. I had good instincts about having you on the show. <laughs> so we only have a few more minutes. So how do we find, how do we, you know, obviously come to Simcha and Sharon. I'm awesome. obsessed with Sharon. We're both townies. Yeah, it's Sharon's an amazing restaurant. Do you High think- taxes. I know. <laughs> I, I know. Let's get started on yeah, Facebook. Yeah, high, so new high school, maybe, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We hope so. But yeah, amazing food. Um, chubby chickpea. What, what other words of wisdom? Because I want to leave you a couple more minutes because you just keep dropping nuggets I'm trying to think. I'm of like, wisdom. I'm like trying to think. What I'm are like, the last words? You can rap. You don't have to. No, I, no, no, no. We did um, that. That was pretty. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't have a lot of other words of wisdom. Or what's next for you? Cookbook? Whatever you yeah, want to so say. Yeah, so the cookbook, my team got invited to cook at the Beard House, um, which is a big, big moment for us. To be honest with you, like the, I guess the only thing I would say as a, as a word of advice to anybody who's doing anything for a living, whether it's work for themselves or go to work, I always tell people, I'm like, I would never do the... I would never do a job I hated for two days. I would do it for one day, but I wouldn't come back for for a second day. Life is too mm-hmm. life is just too short to do something that you don't love to do. And there's gonna be garbage days in every job. If you're not about it, then like it's going to suck. And um, no matter how cushy the job is, it's going to suck. So you know, in a day of like nowadays with Facebook, everybody overshares their complaints and their and it's like people with jobs that you would kill for just whine about it all day and then uh there's lots of people out there just busting their butts trying to make their dreams come true so that's just that's my only word of advice is like don't do the same job that you hate two days in a row that way you can stop whining on facebook about it yeah no whining on facebook well thank you kevin sorry you didn't get to add as much but next time you can be your own you can have your own show wasn't that kevin you just got invited to do a podcast i know i know all right thank you so much for being on the show it was a lot of fun appreciate it